Good morning again. My name is Sam McLaughlin, and I'm one of the pastors here at Balmead, and we are so glad you're here to worship with us here in person and online. Today is the last Sunday in our sermon series for this month of May called All the Good. And we got the title and the intent of this series from John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, who said, do all the good you can in all the ways you can to all the people you can as long as ever you can. And believers, we believe we, we worship a good God and we wanna reflect that goodness here in the world. And so we started by talking about what it means to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. That passage says that when we do good, we reflect the glory of God. Our children then led us in thinking about in the beginning when God uh, created the world and created humans and called them good. That means that each of us are unique, that we carry this divine imprint. And so we should treat one another with respect, their words, and we should accept one another for who we were created to be. We then began to look at some theology from Paul, first in the book of Galatians, where he said, do not grow weary in doing what is good, for at a proper time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. And we were real about the fact that we grow weary in life, but we have to find this way to endure and persist with the Spirit's help to not give up in doing good. Last week, we looked at Paul writing in Romans chapter eight. He talked about this future glory, this future kingdom, the place of no more mourning or crying or pain or death, and that all of creation is working its way towards that place. And as we do that, sometimes here on earth, we find ourselves vacillating between feeling hopeful and hopeless. And so Paul says, look, when you get in that place, actually right when you get to that moment where you don't think you can wait anymore, that's where the Holy Spirit intercedes. The Holy Spirit comes and walks alongside you. When you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit prays in and for you. When you can't even make words, the Holy Spirit knows your wordless sighs and your aching groans. It is the spirit that is active around us working for good. And it is the spirit that prompts us to respond to the world's need as God's good people. Now in another week of such horrible acts of gun violence, this word about the spirit is as needed as ever. It is okay if you still do not know what to think or say or do. It is okay if you feel hopeless and tired and angry and scared. The Spirit will help you to sift through, wade through that chaos of emotions. That Spirit will pray with and for you. And I have to say, this is really important. As people of God, we believe that our prayers result in change. Our prayers orient us back to God. They bring us back to ourselves. They calm our spirits. They steady us. Our prayers must lead us to act, to do the next right thing. And as Christians, we have got to keep praying so that we act about this gun violence we are seeing in our country. 
Today, we return back to Galatians, to chapter five, where we hear this passage about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, maybe like me, you grew up in the church and you heard this passage, and now when people rattle off these words, you just sort of gloss over. You're just used to hearing these nine things. So our challenge is to really listen to these words. Paul is saying, as he does later in chapter six, that there can be a harvest in your life, bountiful, beautiful fruit that tells the world you are living in step with the Spirit. I think there are a couple of ways to chew on this list of fruit. Now, one is to consider which quality of spirit living you most need to cultivate in your spirit right now. So I want you to listen to these words and think about what do I most need to cultivate in my life? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, personally, I feel that patience is always at the top of my list. When I was a student at Auburn University, when I was in college, uh, my friend Andrea and I decided that we were going to encourage one another in our walks with God. She's an artist, so I would you know, write her things and she would draw me things and she created this Fruit of the Spirit painting for me. So each, for each word, she made a little symbol, but uh, before painting the one for patience, she reached out to me and said, what's a symbol that I can put here for you? And I said, well, I'd like you to paint a wheelchair. Now, I said a wheelchair because when I was entering middle school, uh, my family and I moved in with my grandmother to help take care of her. Uh, we called my grandmother Bebo. Her name was Beverly Jane Powell. And at that time in her life, Bebo had been diagnosed with congestive heart failure. And they had pretty much told her that she had about 10 years to live. She also was uh, dealing with diabetes and arthritis. She found herself in a lot of pain and she could not walk very far. And so she used a wheelchair in our home and in everywhere that we went. Uh, Bebo's room was on the back end of the house and it faced the porch and the driveway. And so she could watch us play in the backyard or she could see us when we came up the driveway. And when she saw us come up the driveway, she would often sing very loudly <laughs> or she would sing our names until we came back there. And so we would go and tell her about our day. She would ask what we're wearing or what we experienced and some, or sometimes we would just sit and watch TV with her. Now, while my family really wanted to help our family member, there were times that that was really difficult. And I can tell you as a middle and high school student, uh, that wasn't the way I saw my life playing out. Um, sometimes she was negative or argumentative or needy. Sometimes it was just exhausting to help care for someone else. And so maybe some of you who now find yourselves caring for a family mem member can relate. It's hard. It's not what you imagine your life would look like. And I think it's okay to feel impatient and sad and even resentful at times while also 
praying for the Spirit to cultivate deeper patience and acceptance in your life. So for me, every time I looked at that painting, I asked God to help give me patience. Maybe it isn't patience for you in this room. That's just one example to help you think about it. What is it that you need on this list? Can you bring it to God in the morning, in the middle of the day, as you lay your head on your pillow? Can you create a visual to remind you to ask for this fruit of the Spirit? Another way to think about this list is to think of its opposites. And this is part of what Paul does in this chapter of the Bible. Right before our passage for today, Paul talks about the acts of the flesh. And so we might call them the fruit of the flesh. The Greek word for flesh here that Paul is referring to doesn't necessarily mean things that have to do with the body. He's talking about the sinful state of human beings. Any sin, any place where there is power in opposition to the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul gives us an example of, of what these things might be. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness. And so we can also consider what sin or force in our life may be in opposition to the fruit of the spirit that we want to cultivate within us. As I thought about this, I wondered, is it hatred that we feel toward other people who don't think or believe what we think and believe? Is it jealousy or envy over what someone else possesses? Have you found yourself in a fit of rage? Are you idolizing a person or a job or a paycheck? Do you give way to the discord and factions and dissensions that our culture creates with this all or nothing cut and dry way of thinking? Paul says, whoever sows to please the flesh will reap destruction, but those who sow to please the spirit will reap eternal life. And we believe even now we can taste and see the Lord's goodness. We can access the glory of eternal life if we seek to live in step with the Spirit. I think about it a little bit like following the leader. Live in step with the Spirit. As I wondered about this passage, I thought about all the other places in scripture where fruit is mentioned. We will not go through all of them. But here are a couple. Verse 22 is actually meant to take us to Matthew chapter seven and Ephesians chapter five. In Matthew chapter seven, the scripture says that as disciples, we will be recognized by the fruit that we bear. I like to think of it as that song, they will know we are Christians by our love. Without even speaking, do people know that you represent the spirit? In Ephesians it says, the fruit of the light consists of goodness, righteousness, and truth. That means I can bear fruit of darkness. The fruit of the light. 
consists of goodness, righteousness, and truth. And then in John chapter 15, we get this wonderful image of the vine and the branches. It says that God cuts off every branch within us that bears no fruit. But every branch that does bear fruit, God prunes so that it will become even more fruitful. And so Jesus says, remain in me as I remain in you. That's how you can expect to bear fruit. You remain in me. And so when I put all of this together, I see three options for us. We can bear the fruit of the flesh, the fruit of darkness, spending our lives sowing and reaping that which is gratifying here and now, but not eternally important. We can bear no fruit, keeping ourselves cut off from Jesus, our source and our vine, refusing to cut off those branches within us that reap destruction in our lives, or we can bear fruit that lasts, fruit worth pruning, fruit that expands and ripens with maturity and growth. And I think that that third option means we get better at bearing fruit with experience and age, that we have fruit-bearing lessons and legacies to teach other people and leave behind. And so the challenge is to figure out how. How do we live so intertwined with God? How do we take the core of our being and wrap it with the twine and the string of the Holy Spirit? How do we join in this triple braided cord of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? I'm willing to share with you that even as a pastor, maybe especially as a pastor, I have to work on this divine entanglement with God. And I often learn that my cord is unraveling when I've already put some distance between myself and my spiritual disciplines. Another way to say this is the fruit in my life is either sweet and plentiful or rotten to the core. And that's directly related to the amount of care that I give myself or my family or God. Now what I've learned is as I start coming to the end of myself, practically I have to reach out for the resources and tools that help me get my spirit right. I have to lean on people who have produced the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. And so some of these things for me include therapy or coaching calls or lunches with mentors who speak into me, sharing stories with pastor for peers, people who walk the same walk as me, and then taking those tools and that wisdom and seeking to apply it in my day-to-day -day life. And so the same is true for you. Just this week, the last two weeks, I've learned two pieces of wisdom I wanna share with you today as examples. One is this, each of us has internal dialogue, which often includes our own inner critic or critical voices in our lives. Some people call this the committee in our head. So one practice we can get in the habit of doing is trading out the critical voices that sit on our committee for the positive, encouraging voices, not in an effort to fluff our ego, 
but in an effort to dissipate the voices that are just wrong. Another piece of wisdom is this. Last week, I went to the Upper Room Sunday School class, and Kenny Cosner was teaching on the book Grateful by Diana Butler Bass. And she proposes that just in the same way that we get caught in a negative mind spiral, we can get caught up in a positive spiral. Just in the same way that we put negative, negativity piles up on our mind, we can also pile on positivity. And so these pieces of wisdom, these resources, they prune what needs pruning and they cut off what needs cutting off. They steady us. They help us to be grounded in the spirit and keep on being ourselves. And so what resources and what tools do you need so that you can live entangled with the spirit, steady and calm in the midst of chaos? Now, just when we've taken all this time to focus on ourselves, on the individual, we have to understand that here Paul isn't just talking about each one of us. He is talking about the body of believers, the community of faith. One commentator explained that this chapter is the most impassioned defense anywhere in scripture on the sufficiency of the spirit to guide the community of faith. And so to help you understand that a little bit, for context, there were Jewish Christians, sometimes called the missionaries, who came after Paul and kept arguing that it was the law, not the spirit, that should provide governance over the body of believers. And this appealed to people in Galatia because it was like a set structure with lots of rules. But as we've seen here, Paul believed the opposite. He believed that we should be led by the Spirit, and this meant that the church should follow the promptings of the Spirit, and that the church should learn to live into flexibility and freedom. And so today, I think we can absolutely resonate and relate. We like rules and structure. We like the way that we've always done things. We like the certainty of right and wrong. But a community that entangles itself with the Spirit, it's one that listens for and looks for God's prompting here and now today. It is one that is relevant and relatable and innovative and flexible and adaptive and responsive. It does not give way to factions or dissension or discord. It has nothing to do with envy or jealousy or competition within the church. It doesn't become closed-minded or closed off, stuffy, stale, expired, moldy, or rotten. It doesn't always know the answer but it discerns a way forward with the Spirit. And church, if we live that way, the Spirit of God will steady and ground us. If we live with open palms and open doors and open minds and open hearts, I believe we will produce more fruit than we could have ever asked for or imagined. So may we, seek to bear the goodness of the Spirit's fruit in our own hearts and in the heart of this church. May it be so. Amen.